0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at BrumRadio.com.
1: We lost, by the way, you but, know you know. Guys,
2: guys, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, there's a, mistake. This, there's a mistake. Scream, Brum.
0: You guys won Best Picture.
2: On, this is not a joke. Come this up. is
0: not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. This is
2: not a joke. Scream, Brum. His one Best Picture. Scream Brum. Best picture. The cracking, the rattling of a chair can mean only one thing. I haven't got myself comfortable before I'm speaking. But also, it's time for Scream Brum. A very happy new year to you all. All our listeners out there, we want to welcome you to 2018. It's our first show of the year and we're very, very happy to be back. And when I say we, that is myself, Mike Woodham, here on the mic. And also my colleague, Mr Tim Wilson.
1: Good afternoon, one and all, and a happy new year.
2: A happy new year to everyone. 2018, we hope it's treating you well so far today here on Brum Radio, it's the Screen Brum Show, the show where we talk about anything with a screen, Is it a computer game, is it a film, is it a, a TV program, is it a um, app, I don't know, we've never done apps, maybe we'll do apps one day, <laughs> anything with a screen and we'll play some music from them and we'll talk about them and we're very much hoping that you will join us for the next two hours here on Brum Radio to talk about this stuff. Uh, and to talk about it, you can tweet us. You can tweet us on at Screenbrum. If you're on Twitter, at Screenbrum. If you're on Facebook, go to um, Facebook and look for Screenbrum. And then you can leave us a comment on there. We are, alas, at the moment, we don't have our email up and running. We don't have a phone in the studio because our studio is being renovated. But I keep saying this, and it will eventually be finished, the studio. We are seeing what it's going to look like. It's going to be a the here. Um, So yes, please do let us know because today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be reviewing the year that has just been. I know it might seem like a long way away now, but 2017. Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? Was it it one of your classic years? I don't know. Let us know what you think. What are your highlights of the year? So let us know that and we will read it out on air and we will talk through our highlights of the year. So Tim... Um, before we talk about two thousand and seventeen, how the devil is two thousand and eighteen been for you so far? Two
1: thousand and eighteen has been pretty good so mm-hmm. far, and I'm um, very excited because always the start of the year is possibly one of the highlights of the cinematic year as well. I thought that's
2: when they isn't that when they dump all the stuff they can't get rid of any other time of the year.
1: They do that too, but they tend to dump that beneath all the Oscar stuff, right? Mm.
2: <laughs> so we're gonna so- be we're gonna be getting our so what are you looking forward to most in the next week or so?
1: Um, I'm off to see three billboards in What's It in Missouri. (laughs) This afternoon, I'm off to see that. And uh, Darkest Hour of the Weekend. And um, uh, I probably won't go and see Liam's new film. Liam? Liam Neeson's new film.
2: Liam Neeson. Yeah, what's that?
1: The Commuter. The Commuter. Yeah,
2: yeah um, you never know. Let us know what you think. What are you? I'm a say? fan. You Look, like Liam? I like Liam. Like he's his, the
1: reason to watch those films, really. Though, isn't it? His, uh, his
2: action, uh, but yes you were telling me earlier on, he's 65, and you say looking
1: good on it. Yeah, 65 and kicking lots of butt.
2: Kicking lots of butt. Well, so let us know. We're gonna do. We're gonna run down our top fives of the year. Something very strange is just happening to my screen here. I think I've been invaded by some kind of. Oh.
1: Doesn't that man live in the big house on the corner? It's Phoenix Buchanan. Dad's
2: celebrity client.
1: Mm. He's one of our platinum club members
2: mm. and a very famous
0: actor. Huh, or used to be. Mm. Now he just does dog food commercials.
1: Mm. Mrs Bird doesn't like him because he can never remember her name. Now then, trim her down, trim All right,
0: a little bit more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm at my worst tonight, I really am. I am tickled the deepest shade of shrimp to have been asked here tonight to open this wonderful old steam fair. But, you know, when Madame Cosliver created this thing all those years ago, she most certainly was not thinking of people like me. Whatever I am, VIP, celebrity, I hate all that stuff. No, no, West End legend, that's another one. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, she was thinking of you guys, huh? The ordinary people. So, I'm going to ask... One of you to come up here and open the fair. Oh, Volunteers. Me. Anyone? Oh. Meenie, meeny, miney. Oh. Bear. Oh, let's have the young bear. <laughs> Why not? Come, come, young Ursine. Thank up God. here, my furry friend.
1: Very good, very good. Now, your name is? Paddington Brown.
2: Oh, well, of course it is. You are my new neighbour.
1: You live with?
2: Henry and Mary and the great Mrs... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now then, I suppose you know who
1: I am. Oh yes. You're a very famous actor. Oh no pool <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. <laughs> well a man has
0: to eat. What? Dog food? <laughs> <laughs> very, very funny.
2: There we go, that was, of course, from of course that was from Paddington Two, which is um I've already jumped the gun, but it is one of my top five of the year. Paddington Two, just just lovely. You seen it as well,
1: haven't you, Tim? I loved it. Beautiful. It's um, children's entertainment at its zenith, really. I think. Family. Well, family entertainment. Yeah, yeah I Probably, I'm mean, doing it disservice there, calling it children's entertainment. Yeah,
2: no. Well, I mean, obviously the children love it, and there's nothing. There's no. <laughs> there's no shame in that, but it's it's a very sweet film. Very. Um, the, the the director. Uh, cut his teeth on, well, obviously Pan 1 but also uh, the
1: Mighty Boosh. What Paul King? That's right. Paul yeah. King started
2: off on on the Mighty Boosh, and the Mighty Boosh. I mean, many of you may not have seen. It's so a lot of a slightly surreal uh, program, mm-hmm. but had that same kind of aesthetic—that sort of slightly cartoon-like um, fantasy veneer placed over the real world, and and, and just something was just something really comforting about it, and very warm, and just fantastic performances all the way through. Hugh Grant, who you heard there in the clip, has, uh, has got a BAFTA nomination for that and, uh, and absolutely deserves it. He's brilliant. He's, he's funny. He's menacing. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's just born to pay that role. And he's brilliant, I have to say. As is everyone else. It's got a sort of real kind of who's who of British character actors in this film and, and, uh, and, and, and just great stuff.
1: I think my favourite scenes are the prison scenes. Because mm, there's nothing better than I think for Paddington to, than to be behind bars to sort of flex his slightly melancholic nature. My and uh, just seeing him turn Brendan Gleeson, <laughs> seeing Brendan Gleeson get turned by anything is quite it's going to be oh, entertaining. But uh, the
2: pink uh, so he puts a the, sock in the washing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. My when we came home from it, my my seven year old daughter first thing she did was just draw a massive picture of uh, Paddington behind bars, and he just has that slightly sad look on his face fantastic stuff so yeah i guess you know if we'll go straight into number fives and that is that is in my top five films of 2017 um and surprising you know it's a sequel um it's a you know family film um but it is it, it's, it's it's just an absolute triumph i think on every level it's something that really reminds us why we fell in love with films in the first place you know it's inventive it's funny it's warm it's moving it's got some great music in it it's got some great action sequences in it and it's magical it doesn't look like you know it's not the real world it takes us out of that it reminds us you know when we were kids and we went to see films it reminds us of it and, and it's still something that we can get today so Blake straight in number five on the top five and what we should say here by the way is when we're saying our top five we're not saying these are the best films who are we to say that we're just saying it's the best films we've seen we haven't seen half of them and I suspect I'm going to learn a lot from you of films that I want to see and haven't yet seen but uh, of course there's loads of films I haven't seen um, Call Me by, My, by Your Name have you seen that Tim?
1: well you see this is the thing uh, Call Me By My Name was there and then it wasn't was at the end of, at the end of last year, mm. and I missed it on the, on. The, but I hope to catch it on Netflix or whatever uh, in the next few weeks. Hopefully, yeah, I hear so, it's oh, well, everything. You know, it's coming up is... on a lot most most direct, most mm. uh, critics' top ten lists. And I say, I really wanted to see it.
2: And Army Hammer, who's uh, one of the stars of that, does appear further in my list. There's a little bit of a uh, uh, spoiler from what's coming up from me. But there you are. Paddington Two is the first. On our list, and now we're gonna have another go at getting the music to work. Let's have to see if we can get anything out of this. Oh, good. oh, I'm glad that works because it's great, if nothing else. That's uh, the theme tune to the TV series Detectorists, which uh, finished this year. Um, it's not gonna make my top five list purely because it's not a, a debut. 2017 but it did the final third and final series aired this year and it is just a lovely program you hear from the the, lovely theme tune it's that beautiful kind of late summer feel um everything's very inconsequential in it but it's just a beautiful um warm funny it's a very english sounding or feeling um Sitcom, I guess, written directed by uh, Mackenzie Crook um, with Toby Jones in it as well, and um, just just uh, you know a tale of two middle aged men and their friendship, and they happen to be metal detector
1: enthusiasts,
2: and, um, and and that's pretty much it, and fantastic stuff. All the way through. Have you seen it, Tim? Have you ever watched *Detective*?
1: Yeah, I watched a few episodes. Um, I think there's going to be a third series, isn't there? That it? was the third series. That was the finished. third series yeah. just finished, and it was the last one, it right? Was the last one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and catching it, up with catching up with what timeline we're video. on now. Yeah. Exactly. yeah so <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got. I haven't. Caught, I haven't caught all of that. Let's see, no, it's, it's a lovely,
2: a lovely way to end it. Very warm. Well, Diana Rigg is in it. You know, it's it's um, uh, it's just it's a lovely tender, in the in the,
1: in, in the post most lovely of ways, right? Yeah. It's just something so, I
2: felt like. I think there's quite a lot of, and I was looking back to the things that I've sort of ran to in 2017, whether it be books, music, or, or screen, there's a lot of of, of, of needing a hug. <laughs> it's not been a great year in many ways uh, in, the, in the outside world, so there's a lot of stuff that is like, you know, let's let's have some of this Paddington 2, let's have some of this Detectives, where there's nice people doing nice things, and... Um, and everything ends up quite nicely in the end. There are times in your life where you know you find that you know a tedious and and, and you know, you know and, and a depressing way of watching films. I think, but right now it feels it feels very much uh, where I'm going.
1: Feels to me also a little bit like. And um, I'm going to talk a bit about um, trip to Spain a little later. Mm. But there's some of the best things that you've seen this year or about middle age. Mm. And that is about middle-age in a certain way, isn't it? That, in, absolutely, in, in, yeah. a yeah. uh, middle-age
2: male friendship.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, just uh,
2: coincidence that we're middle-aged males, well, I am.
1: Well, I'm getting to that point. <laughs> <though>.
2: <laughs> you know, this is why it's... I'm it's still young, man. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. As are you.
2: Oh, ah, yeah, right. Um, anyway, the, this is not great audio. Uh, for radio, I am uh, 22 years old. Tim is 20 years
1: old going on 38 <laughs>
2: anyway anyway so there we are detecturists <laughs> is and there's another connection from detectorists if we're talking about things that we've enjoyed this year um is the the artist that you heard there singing that track johnny flynn is also an actor and he uh, appears in a tv series that originally started on terrestrial tv i think it was bbc it might have been channel 4 um, and then after the first series moved to netflix and the third series of that has just debuted this year uh, another highlight of the year for me although i'm not putting it in because again it's not a debut it's the third series again uh, johnny flynn the series is called lovesick the original series uh had a different name and it was the worst name a tv program has ever been given i don't know how it got greenlit um, it's. I can't bring myself to say it because it is that terrible, um, and and very much uh, against the tone of it. It's a love, uh, a sort of rom com, uh, but very, very well written, extremely well written. That's the thing I find that really that really um, stands it out. It's it's not particularly innovative in terms of the way it's performed or anything, uh, the way it looks, but the writing is so clever. It's, it's a really good. Evocation of of falling in love, and we, we've obviously seen falling in love on screen many times, and we know it is uh, uh, difficult, and we know it's painful, and we know it's uh, exhilarating and euphoric. We know all that stuff. We know that from real life. Um, hopefully, many of us do. But what um, what that also shows us is just how confusing it is, and how complicated it is, and how and how and how no one wants to hurt other people, but they end up doing so. And it's, and it's why, why that happens. Is all of that sort of stuff is done. Fantastically well in that, so another high point of the year, although not on the list because it's not a debut, is Netflix *Lovesick*. Uh, one you've seen, Tim, or has that passed you by?
1: That one passed me, unfortunately.
2: It's as I say, it's possibly not for everyone. It's pretty, pretty sort of slow-moving romance relationship drama, but very, very good, very, very funny as well in places. Uh, and Jodie Flynn, um, who is is a fantastic musician as well. Um, is, is pretty good in it. He, he finds his feet throughout the three series. So are we ready? Are we ready? Have we heard anyone else yet? Have you had anyone's whoops, uh, anyone's hits of the year come through on Twitter yet? I am not sure. We have had a message from Feathers and Wings. Hello, Feathers and Wings. We know you're listening, but that you're eating a big lunch right now so that you're not able to, to let us know what your hits of the year were. Never mind. I hope you're having something delicious and uh, nutritious and that you're starting 2018 with a healthy eating regime. There you go. Well, you eat what you like. I don't really have any say in that. So, Tim, are you ready to to launch into your number five?
1: Yeah, so talking of um, sort of uh, middle aged to older men, stuck in sort of stoicism and reflection, um, my number five is Blade Runner (laughs) 2014. You're talking about gentle films for the. For the year, the time in which we live. Actually, I think this time is, this film is actually, um, dare I say, I think one of the things we live in, one of the times we live in now is that we are we are being proscribed how to think about things and we're being told what to think and told how to be. You know, this is kind of the world in which we live. Um, Blade Runner, Blade Runner works for, for the very opposite reason it's ambiguous, <laughs> very ambiguous, very patient, very stoic. It's a, it's. I think it's a rare, it's a rare sequel. I was um, so excited about this film more than any other this year, apart from maybe, you know, I was anticipating Last Jedi a lot. You know, this is all, but all of this stuff is because of the films that you grew up with, and Blade Runner and Star Wars are very big films. Blade Runner um, is a huge sort of thing on my heart, but this film, dare I say, could be better than Blade Runner. Um, I think the re- one of the biggest reasons for that is Denny Villeneuve. And I think that what he's managed to do is something that not only um, updates and expands the themes of the original film, but actually, I think he's actually just successfully brought them into the now. Um, and it's not. And the thing that I didn't want to see, and, and I'm gladly it didn't, is that um, it is a Denny Villeneuve film and not a Ridley Scott film. Absolutely. You yeah. feel you know if you've watched any of denny Villeneuve's previous films the, the the worlds that he creates and the kind of the atmosphere that he creates he's i think and using having someone like roger Deakins <laughs> do the photography and the kind of atmosphere that he creates it washes if you allow yourself in the cinema to get washed into it and you allow yourself to be um uh, trans um you know um Brought into this world where you've got Ryan Gosling, who I think is just nigh on perfect to play it, play this kind of um, to be to be your guide through this universe, trying to solve this this mystery, this thriller, this crime or whatever that he does. I happily will sit there for two and a half hours and watch that. Um, I'm with you, and I'll watch it. And I watched it twice, um, uh, and I loved every second. Every second, of all the two times. two times I watched it in the cinema. I'm with you a thousand
2: percent on this. It's it's like, It's such an immersive experience. In the same way that Blade Runner created an entirely plausible world that the original that you that you felt that you under, that you felt that you knew, even if you didn't understand it. Um, it's just um, it looks amazing. Hans Zimmer's soundtrack for this. I mean, Hans Zimmer's
1: and Benjamin Wallerfish.
2: Yes, true. Um, they worked together because originally it was going to be um, I can't remember his name now, Anders Anderson or something who who's um, Danny Vilner's regular collaborator, yeah. and I think it, they they obviously didn't work out on that. But Hans Zimmer also did a soundtrack to Dunkirk, which is an amazing soundtrack as well this year. So the way it looks, the way it sounds is phenomenal. I i i i don't think I don't think it's perfect because I have a couple of issues with it. But then who cares what I think? Um, but it's just it's just as you say, it's one of those things you can sit in it. There's, there's odd things that happen in that film that don't really explain why they happen, but you just go along with it because it just feels like a fully realised, incredibly beautiful and also broken world. Um, and it has... The, there's a love scene in there, which is one of the most interesting, unusual and yes. incredibly emotionally affecting kind of sex scenes, really, that I've ever seen. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's just... I'm just yeah. Now, now, more I think back on it, the more I'm. That I was as you, like you. I went in thinking, "Oh, I hope this is great," and uh, it can't possibly be as great as I hope, and it was.
1: And then for me, a real payoff is you know when we finally um, meet Deckard again. Yes. And this casino that he has managed to fight, this Las Vegas world that he's managed to get into, and suddenly you know this this. Decad that we knew um back in 2019 or 1982 whatever time frame mm-hmm. you want to use he um he's house and is is kind of the 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 light the uh the comedic slightly darkly comedic uh sort of levity of the film mm. not what we knew of the decade he's a different decade it's like he's grown maybe he's grown cynical he's grown wise mm. um it's stuff when you've got El, you know. There's a scene involving Elvis, which I won't give away if you haven't seen the film. But if you've seen it, you'll know it's actually quite funny. Yeah. Uh, and there's just a scene where he's actually become the Rudger Hauer figure in, in perverse terms because Rudiger Hauer is actually quite funny at times in Blade Runner, you know. And darkly speaking, when he's playing Deckard, Harrison Ford is now playing Ryan Gosling's character yeah. a little bit in that scene. Uh, you know, playing and playing and uh, using his wise experience, but. The way that they pull him in, pull Deckard in to the emotional ending, I was, I was bought I was, I, you know, I could, I saw it coming a little bit, yeah, for sure. But that ending, it on that ambiguous note in the film, I was like, good on you. It's, I was, I was brought. I was like, I was, I was, I was, I was choked. I was like, yes, it's,
2: it's a, it's a fantastic film. I, I just was so pleased with, 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 with you know, pretty much everything in it. And um, one of the things I wasn't really pleased about as well, as I said earlier, was the soundtrack. I'm going to play. Uh, some music from it now. This is, is an echo of the original. Uh, one of the few
1: times they do it as well because mm. they, they, they evoke the, Vangel- uh, the Vangelis uh, soundtrack. This one goes for it and one of the few times it does go for it.
2: So let's hear it. Um, it's Tears in the Rain from Blade Runner 2049. Oh, we're all slightly tears in the studio here at that. That's Tears in the Rain, Hans Zimmer score, and Benjamin Wolfish's score from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Tim's top five. One of top five. He's is is five in the Number top five, five list. Um, but I mean, surely, surely a film for the ages. Surely a film that will come out of this year. If we were doing this review of the year again in twenty years' time, I'm sure we'll still be saying it's one of the greats of the decade, frankly. Um, so, yes, if you haven't seen it, um, we would strongly recommend doing so. You don't absolutely have to have seen Blade Runner first, but I think it would be good to refresh your mind and see that because, let's face it, Blade Runner is an amazing film as well, so you're exactly. not going to lose out on anything. And you will definitely uh, get more out of it. A really, really interesting uh, sequel. And it's been the year for the return of, of um, old sci-fi characters because we've had Mark Hamill. In um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, uh, his old Harrison Ford's old uh, sparring partner from from back in the day, bringing back an old character in an unexpected way and revealing remarkable acting depths and uh, a real um, bittersweet uh, nuance to, to the characters that have been that we've all kind of loved for thirty years uh, brilliantly. So it's been a, it's been a double whammy for that this year.
1: Agreed. Yeah, it's been it's been yeah that to have that double whammy feels really privileged. I feel really privileged to actually go to the cinema and see two films like that. Yeah, that have succeeded mm-hmm. and exceeded actually my expectations.
2: And you know when you have you know nerdy film you know, geeks that are like us that are uh, you know that have been invested in these films for thirty years and then rock up at the cinema expecting to be blown away a second time and uh, being able to do it is is something special. It
1: really matters. It really matters. And they really
2: have. That you know, both of those films have really done that, and I think that's something to be <laughs> extremely grateful for because uh, you know there was absolutely um, not really fair of us to even hope that again, Blade Runner or Star Wars could be um, anything you know like as good as they were. Um, I'm going to play another piece of music now because we've had a little bit of of, of sort of chilling out um, from uh, from Tears in the Rain, so I'm going to up the ante, um, and this is from a, a very big hit film of the year or unexpected hit of the year uh, you will probably be able to work it out from the title but uh, let us know if you can if you spot it tweet in and let us know baby oh
0: baby that's
2: baby uh, by carla thomas and that's from the soundtrack to the film Baby Driver, which is not on either of our lists, but we're just having a quick discussion about it off-air. We have different opinions on Baby Driver. Is Edgar Wright's... Um, it, was, it was a relatively surprise hit, I think. Um, car chase, heist movie. Um, very fantastic use of music. Nothing else. Great soundtrack. But um, loads of people's top lists of the year. Not mine, though. I did not enjoy it very much. You did, though, didn't you, Tim? What was it you liked about
1: it? Um, I I really like Edgar Wright as a director. I, I I think this allowed him to really channel some of his. Uh, I, I would say he's like a, he's like an energizer bunny, isn't he? Uh, at times, the way that he has managed to sort of wrap uh, a crime caper in a sort of musical rom com, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. I think the way he tried to bring these two things together was really, at times, very successful. Um, I love I mean you t- we've talked about the intro scene, you know, the whole choreography of it and the whole way that he's done the, the car chase scene. Um, really brilliantly. And and at times he repeats that same trick. I think he's Bill Pope does the DOP, he's a fantastic director photographer, uh director of photography, and I think they've just managed to like um he 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 keeps the films moving. He has real success, you know, real real energy in the way he does it and I really like the way that um, Elcourt, as baby, had this stoic face the whole way through the film, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I would say that there are a lot of things that I, I think could have been done better with the film. I think it's twenty minutes too long. Uh, we both agree on that. Uh, and, um, and I really like, I really like some of the the bad guys. I like John Hamm's character. There's this particularly cool fight scene which is done to Queen's Brighton Rock. Which I think is quite funny. Um... Tim, Tim
2: was very upset that I didn't play it today, but it's a little bit too long it's a long to play. Um, what I didn't like about it, and, and I'm going to use this to, to sort of segue into my number four top film of the year, is what I didn't like about it, and it's not really fault of this film, it's a fault of... A lot of films. A lot of films is is is, is guns. And it's, getting you know, people like guns and gunfights and all that. But... It, there's just this thing I've seen it so many times of, of you know people getting their guns out and uh, and, and sort of you know, I don't know what they do cocking them and all that sort of stuff and there's just there's just seems to be a kind of um, the actual kind of physical item is something which is treated like a kind of uh, cool thing you know it's you know they've all got massive machine guns and stuff. It's, it's just it's just something sort of notionally sort of presented as a sort of cool thing about it and you know as we know of course in real life. Uh, They're not cool. They're horrific items, and there's just something about it. And I thought, as I watched it, I thought, right, what I'm going to try and do for 2018 is try and avoid any films with guns in, which is probably going to be very difficult. But maybe avoid (laughs) films in which guns are good luck presented in quite you know uh, uh, quite such a central part of it. And the reason I wanted to the reason I wanted to sort of segue into my next film, my 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 number four of the year is a is a film with lots of guns in. It's uh, Free
1: Fire. I was about to say, where do you stand on Free Fire? Well, this no, was my thing. One. Free um, Fire is, is Ben
2: Wheatley's, uh, again, it's, a, it's a, crime, a crime caper. It's set pretty much all in one location. It's set in a kind of disused factory warehouse, and it, there's a, a a gun purchase going on between various... There. Um, well, there's some IRA terrorists and um, some some uh, arms dealers, and everything goes south, and it turns into a massive, long gun battle. Um so why am I saying that this is my top four when I said I didn't like those things? For the very reason that, um, you know, it does something which, you know, it's a great action film. It's very funny in places, very dark. Um, but it, it really feels like it does something different with um, gunplay uh, that we don't see very often, which is, you know, people get shot a lot in it um, and not necessarily killed, but just, you know, injured. And, hard, you know, as this, uh, the gun battle goes on, we, we we get what appears to be an entirely new, new location because the characters who are all, for the first half of the film, standing up are all on the floor. They're all hiding behind things and they're all lying around, they're crawling around on the floor or they're injured and they can't... And all, all of a sudden, this it looks like a whole different set. We we see it from ground level and it changes the view of everything. Um, I went to see Ben Wheatley do um, a presentation of the film, uh, The Electric Cinema, and something he'd said which really struck with me, which he said he did a lot of research into, into how... Um, you know gun battles play out the most injured part of the body in a, in a gun battle apparently is is the hand because what people do is they don 't shoot it. At- you know, subconsciously, you're not shooting at another person. You're shooting at the thing you're frightened of, which is the gun. So people actually shoot at you know, guns, and that's why people get hit in the hand. That really struck me as as, as just an ish different way of seeing it. And it is, you know, it's, it's a it's a it's a crime caper. It's got a lot of shooting and blood in it. So it's you know, it sounds like it's contradictory to what I've just said, but like I say, it does it in a way. You know, it's, everyone, everyone gets hurt. It's 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 nasty. Um, it's not glamorous at all. Um, and um, Ben Wheatley is, is is a director of absolute genius, in my opinion. Every time he makes a film, it is completely different to the film before. You just never know. You know what he's going to make a musical next or a, or a children's film. You just never know what he's going to do. So yeah, number four on Blake's list: Free Fire. Now, Tim is pulling a face. Do you not approve?
1: I love ben, Whitley, ben Wheatley most of the time. I think he's um, one of our f- finest three directors, without question. Um, Globally or British? British. Sorry. Finest it's British. Still pretty good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was disappointed with Free Fire. Mm. Because for, uh, I think, I don't know what it represents in the, in the Wheatley canon. I think, is it an attempt to go for the multiplex? is an attempt to try and do a, a more crowd-pleasing film. Um, for me, it, it shoots in a kind of uh, sub-Tarantino level. Um, you know, it's kind of an amalgam of some of that Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction. It, dare I say, it's a little, it has a little bit of Guy Ritchie kind of... the early, When Guy Ritchie was good, by the way. Early Guy Ritchie stuff at times Regular as well.
2: listeners will know that this is about the biggest insult that Tim can play. To um, me... <coughs>
1: actually Guy Ritchie was never that good <laughs> yeah, <terrible. I> <laughs> i'm i'm I did that for Perfect. effect um, um yeah. i i it's entertaining at times it's sporadically very funny, I think it's because of the standards of which Ben Wheatley sets himself mm-hmm. and the films that he's done before and certainly in pre, you know in comparison to something like high rise which we both stand very highly in god i um i don't know it's it's i find i th- it's a three out of five film and i find it. It's 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 actually quite vanilla for the standards of Ben Wheatley. I'm not to say it's not worth it. It's an entertaining ninety minutes because it really is, but it, it 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 doesn't do anything. There's something a bit lacking to make it. Very good. Okay. Well. And um, I know. Uh, then there is one nasty death that serves as a you know there's a there's some nasty stuff that does actually serve as a reminder you're watching a Ben Wheatley. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's one thing and, you can
2: be sure is going to happen. Somebody's gonna yeah. Die in I was one.
1: I knew you were going to mention it because you mentioned he was going to. I was Army Hammer's going to come up later, and that's when I knew you were going to mention Free Fire. Mm. Um, Army yeah. Hammer's great in it. There's a fantastic scene where.
2: You know, it's all the seventies, and he's having a he's having a fight with someone who's pulling his beard, and he says, "Are you the you know, even though they're having a fight, are you wearing perfume? He says, "It's beard oil." Which is
1: I will say, it's, you can tell that Ben Wheatley has really researched his his gun and his researched about guns, and mm-hmm. um, the you know, it has kind of a it has that sort of specific nature to it, which I think comes through. Well one of the things um, that he
2: did when he when he when he was researching and writing the film was apparently when law enforcement get involved in these gun battles and the fbi have these gun battles when they write their reports they have to account for every single bullet that is fired um and some of these you know big long gun battles that go on for 45 minutes they have to account for every shot they fired. so there's quite a lot of detail of how these things actually go out and that's what i like about it it's not glamorous it's not people sort of jumping over cars and shooting in the way that we see in a lot of these particularly american films although it is so in America, there's a, um, you know, just, just that sense that these things are very loud. That's sort the of thing, they're very, very loud um, and very, very dangerous. Um, and they're there to, you know, to hurt people. And that's what they do in this film. So,
1: yeah, talent, very talented filmmaker. Um, you know, one of our best. Um, this isn't one of his best.
2: Okay, well, you can all let us know what you think on that. If you're Feel a fan, free to disagree. Absolutely, we
1: do. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm going to play some music from it, and then we're going to come back and we'll have Tim's number four. This is The Shape I'm In, and it's by the band, and it's from uh, Free Fire. I could listen to the band all day, but unfortunately we can't because we've got a radio show to produce, and we hope that you're enjoying listening to it. Let us know what you think. This is the Screen Brum Show. Here on Brum Radio where we're talking about the year that was 2017 all the way a few weeks ago. And what we liked about it. Thank you for your tweets. Richard Langley has tweeted that he truly loved the cracky little heart warmer that was Paddington 2. So we've definitely had some agreement from that. And he's pointed out quite quite accurately, in my opinion, that it's a film that's genuinely for all the family. Which is no mean feat. It really is something. I mean, you you would see it without kids, I presume.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Cineworld. In Broad Street mm. is not a huge destination for kids, unless it's half term yeah. or but a weekend. You, know, it's, it's you not, don't need a, yeah. you don't need to go in there. It's, it's not a film. That, you know, it's not one of those films that actually is a kids' film. It's as oh, I say, do it, it, does, yeah. it does fill it for. I said it was a children's uh, classic. Mm. It's a film family. Everyone, yeah, everyone can enjoy it. <laughs> <that>. So um, <laughs> yes, I take that back. It's a family classic. Yeah.
2: So, um, so here we are. We've done our. I've done two of my top five of the year. Uh, now it's time for Tim Wilson's. Fourth best the fourth most favourite or fourth wow. in the list of okay. random things.
1: Ah oh, this is so bonkers, you know, I'm getting my the blockbuster films out of the way early it seems. And, you know, amidst all the films I could have put in, I was I do I just genuinely love Dunkirk. Um it's it's firstly the refreshing thing is that um, you know, and that kind of Nolan, Nolan-less nature of taking timelines and, and messing with them and doing it in three, three narratives that actually are very understandable and bring them together. This is the first time since Memento, as far as I can remember, where he's done it in a really a succinct way. Um, tell me if I'm wrong on that. No, I think, I, I think it's, it's um, really, really clever. I know, I, you know how it. much I love Inception for being for being a, a sort of a, 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 a it's a geeky, much more geeky kind of thing. You know, it's that whole with Deception is very different because it is just it's 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 riffing mm-hmm. that film. This has much more of an auteurish approach, I think. Um,
2: I mean, it's a serious. <sighs> so this is this is Chris Nolan's obviously film about the evacuation of Don Kirk, and it's a, it's you know the, it's a serious subject with. Uh, yes. a narrative that's already I mean the what I really this was in my top five as well I have to change it now <laughs> no you don't you can mention it and bring it back well, later it's, um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not as big a fan as, of, of Christopher Nunn's work as, as, as Tim is um, and my my problem is is often in the in the kind of the the way in which the high concepts are just too much for me. Like Interstellar, <laughs> one of his just I you know I just was not I, I liked the way it was shot. I liked a lot of the, the sequences in it. but Loved The whole it overarching <laughs> story didn't work for me. This one, the story is already set. We know what the ending is. Yeah. We know what happens. It's a very very famous incident. <laughs> so you can focus on the way to tell the story. The big the story, thing so.
1: here is that you you are able to focus in on each of the situations and the characters in which they're in, mm-hmm. and it's a triumph of that whole human. Humanity humi- humanity and humility that comes through in triumph in this film. Um, also, I think that where big cinema by um, popular cinema in particular in, uh, sort of in its biggest way f- often fails is that it tries they you know um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's you know you, you, you struggle I think sometimes film struggles sometimes to have that kind of um, intelligence and rigor. Um, this does that in droves. It still manages to be have the intelligence and the rigor. It delivers to a wide audience, and it delivers the emotional punch that you would want to get out of the situation that the film presents. I think yeah. in a huge way, and it does that in a lot of different ways. I think the thing I really love is that ticking, that 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 Hans Zimmer soundtrack that 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 that, that is constantly building and layering on it. You know, it's uh, on, astonishing. It, it's astonishing a it's a soundtrack. great piece of soundtrack. It's almost entirely melody free. Um, it's just
2: rhythm and 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 as you say this sense of drama, the sense of a clock ticking is exactly a building is absolutely
1: just. There's scenes of real claustrophobia, you know, stuff when they get trapped inside oh. a ship or a boat, and you feel you are f- with them and you're frightened. Mm-hmm. You know, the only last time I felt like that was when I was watching the last twenty minutes of Captain Phillips. You know, where Paul Greengrass had the similar that's effect, right, where that's you're nice, sweating, okay. you're sweating with Tom Hanks yeah. and, the, and the and it's like oh, um, and I felt the same way here. I felt a real sense of fear, um, but it does it in a you know in a, in, a, in a way that is for everybody to see and understand i think that if chris nolan's aim was to have a war veteran who was there or was in the war to go and see it and 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 i know that he'd done a lot of screenings with war veterans and they all felt yeah this feels like a tribute this feels like appropriate and yeah. correct and to the point it's not it it does it in a way that everyone can see the, the time and the frame in which it was in
2: I don't know if any. If you've seen uh, Joe Wright's Atonement, yeah, there's a there's a sequence in there on the beach at Dunkirk, um, which is a single take, which is to my mind one of the great single takes in cinema. I mean, go on. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and look for it. I know the one you're on. It's about I don't know, but it's about seven or eight minutes long. um, But another absolutely fantastic sequence, just giving you this sense of. Just all these, it's, it, you know, the way in which we've, we've perhaps seen Dunkirk presented before as being as a triumph. You know, this is, it, it talks about the triumph of getting all those men off the beach, but it also, you know, doesn't, it's not, it's not a heroic story of, of, of escape and bravery and daring do. Although it is partly that, it's just a kind of, yeah, as you say, a very human story. The it, way it's structured with these three separate timelines, that interweave brilliantly brilliant. It
1: go. almost feels at times like it's a silent film, doesn't it? So because you're again a bit like Blade Runner, where we talked about you're getting wrapped up in the spectacle of it. You were similarly getting wrapped up in the spectacle, so that when there are moments of dialogue, they're not there to let. Actually, they're not even there to tell you. That they don't describe plot. We know what's going yeah. on. We get. We understand how the three timelines are merging in in a, in, a, in, a, in a in a in a really clever and technically ambitious way. But it's a it's a triumph. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's and, and you know when you get to the end and you've got uh, Tom Hardy as the pilot going across the beach in that aircraft.
2: No spoilers though. Okay.
1: Well, we know there's a the technical ed- the, 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 and that, that soaring music at the end. It's like woof. You it's, know, it's, it's like a, it, it's a it's it's, a, it's a, and you know it's a great it's a great film. I, I loved it.
2: A fantastic film to see on the big screen. If you're in, um, I, th- I think it's this weekend, Harborne Circle Cinema in. Are born here in Birmingham, um, They are a, a local cinema in a in like a, a beautiful building in the Moorpool uh, Hall, mm-hmm. um, and they have a showing of it there. It, so if you haven't seen it on the big screen, try and get down it, for For
1: me, it's up there in cinematic terms. You know, in I've seen you know when you see a lot of you know you see, I've seen a lot of films war films. It's up there with Thin Red Line. It's up there with um Saving Private Ryan. Certainly, that first twenty minutes of Saving Private yeah. Ryan is as 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 a kind of really. Stark example of how cinema can pre- present war, yeah. but you could
2: also but you could also make a case. It's hard. It's almost not a war. F- you know that it's not a war film in the sense that we don't see any enemy. We we don't actually see enormous amount of combat. It's it's a, it, you could say it's a disaster movie in some ways, rather than it, it, you know it, it's not. There's no. We don't have any real sense of the kind of um, political stakes, perhaps or the kind of I don't know. I mean. It, we, we, I, what is assumed is that we understand that it's, if this hadn't been successful if this if these troops had not been evacuated from the beach, then the war would have been over, and the
1: Nazis would have
2: won, and you know the world would be a very different place, and we know that their stakes were that high. The people on the beach just want to get home
1: okay i so i I'll, I'll, I'll turn it flip it to the opposite it's a tribute mm-hmm. it's a tribute to um the to the people men and the women who were who, who who served in that time and a, a wonderful tribute at that. There you uh, go. There we
2: are. So let us um, let us have a small blast of some of that fantastic score. Um, this is the track "Home." This is making me feel too tense to be able to play it too loud. <laughs> but it's uh, this is the track "Home," um, and it's Benjamin Walls Fish as well, which we should say he's been involved in both this and the Blade Runner twenty forty nine soundtrack fantastic a good year very very good year for soundtracks if nothing else and for um, films so there we are Tim's number four is Dunkirk now we are halfway through today's show nearly halfway through today's show here on Brum Radio we're loving your contributions thank you please keep sending those through if you're on Twitter at Screen Brum let us know what you think what you think of our choices we are not saying our choices are the best films they're just the ones that spoke to us more there, just personal choice don't get involved in all that nonsense that some films are good and some films are bad Um, you know, it's about what you personally think, so that's what we're saying and I'm going to give you my number three of the year, and this is a very much an unexpected one for me and again, very much out of my my normal wheelhouse which is one of the reasons that I really liked it and this film is um, The Villainess you've seen this um, I hope you like it. Um, so call. The Villainess, this is, this is directed by, um, I'm going to try and get this right, Jung Byung-gil, uh, a Korean film starring Kim Ok-bin. Um, and it is one of the most ridiculous <laughs> action films uh, I would say I've ever seen. It's just insane action filmmaking. I mean,
0: properly
2: um, just... Jaw-dropping you, you, visuals. It was
1: your initial mention of this film that prompted me to see it. Okay, on a plane.
2: And oh, that must be was slightly, slightly kind of made you feel slightly seasick. I imagine it's very um, intense, <laughs> and it's properly brutal too, isn't it? I mean, again, one one of the things is, you know, this might sound this might sound horrible, but it's a very violent film. It's an, you know, it's 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 a. It's a, a uh, story of a you know, uh, a young kind of essentially uh, assassin sort of killing her way through a a, a swathe of men, um, but it it uh, deals with the brutality. There is some really really shocking pieces of, of, of violence in here that that are you know quite arresting and awful because it, you know violence is a terrible thing. It's um, Korean man. Yes. This is what they do
1: in Korean films. They and, don't hold back on the violence stakes, uh, man. And,
2: but the 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 choreography, the way it is, is is just. Many people um, really like John Wick, the Keanu Reeves film and John Wick 2 that came out this year.
1: I if did you, like John Wick yeah, 2. If you
2: like those films, then then you will love this because this is this, this does everything, in my opinion, much better uh, than that. Um, and so you have seen it
1: then? It's right. It's good fun. It's I actually... Um, I, it was a double header with um, Atomic Blonde.
2: Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. <laughs> it to
1: too... too uh, yeah, two films with uh, real fantastic female action leads, you know, giving it and uh, and very different films. Yeah. yeah, I mean that this Atomic Blonde is uh, is uh, fun in a different kind of way. Mm. You know, I mean, it's frivolous, yeah. but it's yeah. This 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 did stuff on the first person level, which I have it, not seen it, again. It's, but, really, you know? it's
2: it's it's that it's that thing which, if this was an American film, uh, it would have been. Over everyone's you know it would have been huge it would have been all have been talked about and there would have been lots of of kind of um, dissections of it and um we don't see that happening so much because it's not got these American stars in it but it is a fantastically kinetic action movie
1: i am for me it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter that it, it's you know it's not on my five and it doesn't i mean for me it's it's it doesn't it doesn't all come together. You know, but that's not a problem. Yeah, it's kind of um, it's all balls to the wall for want of a better word. It's all you know, let just throw as much at this as we can. Yeah, and um, it, and that's why it's fun, riotous fun. You know, crazy, mad. Um, and the, the the climatic set piece is just ace. Yeah, it's worth worth waiting for. That There's hour. also a
2: motorbike chase, <laughs> which I i as I as I was watching it, I, I remember. You know, been slightly pulled out of it just by thinking, how on earth did they actually film this? Is incredible. I'll um, Give you an idea of the kind of vibe. I'm going to play the music for the bike chase um, from this uh, from this sequence, <laughs> and it is um, it's called bike chase. It's, it's um, from the villainess, and the artist is Yawonku. Just give you an idea. There we are. That's bike chase. I, I'm
1: I'm grinning from ear to ear at that choice, man good, cool I'm, good glad, cool, I'm glad that you approve it's an original choice, I love it
2: oh good i'm glad I'm glad you approve lots of lots of great um Korean cinema, The The of course the handmaiden is is something which has been uh, uh shouted, and it's been in lots of people's best of lists. didn't make mine, but um it's, uh, lots of people have liked that one. have you seen the handmaiden this year Tim? no, okay, I really want to see it yeah this is
1: yeah, the, it's yeah, I missed it. But yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Well, this is why you need to get yourself a Netflix, man. Um, I have to.
1: I, I have to hand myself into the hands of other people who have Netflix subscriptions currently.
2: That works. That works just as just well. as well. So there we are. Bike chase from the Villainess, Blake's number three film of the year. Whilst we are um, halfway through the show, um, I want to play something else that was one of my. Um, Hits of the Year Not quite making my list But I'm just going to play you A little excerpt and see If you're aware of it Let me know what you think
0: You, Eleanor Shellstrop Are dead Cool How did I die? Are you sure you want to hear you were struck by a truck advertising an erectile dysfunction pill called engorgulate funnily enough the first emt to arrive was an ex-boyfriend of
1: yours. okay that's i get it thank you
0: you're okay eleanor you're in the good place you are here because you got innocent people off death row you are my soulmate cool bring it in man You'll stand by my side no matter what, right? Of course I will. I wasn't a lawyer. There's been a big mistake. I'm not supposed to be here.
1: Wait, what? Are you sure this isn't you? I
0: got my name right, but nothing else. Somebody royally forked up. Why can't I say fork?
1: If you're trying to curse, you can't hear. That's bullshit. Tell me one good thing that you did on Earth. Do you have a second to talk about the environment?
0: Do you have a second to eat my farts? Oh,
1: can't risk going to the bad place. Okay, well, maybe it's not all that bad. We'll ask Janet. Hey, Janet. Hi there. Ugh.
0: How can I help
2: you?
1: What is the bad place
0: like? I can only play you a brief audio clip of what is happening there right now. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound awesome. Hello. Can I just say I love
1: your house. It's just so teensy. Ooh, hello. I'm just
0: big beautiful cheers I'm <laughs> condescending bench okay 30 glasses of wine and no hangover this place rules these people might be good but are they really that much better than me did you fill your bra with shrimp no yes so who was right? Every religion guessed about 5%, except for Doug Forsett. One night he got high on mushrooms and got like 92% correct. Um, and <laughs> just bringing
2: back, uh, before that awful squeak, you heard uh, the trailer for The Good Place, which has been one of my finds of the year. A fabulous, fantastic sitcom on absolute once in a decade, uniqueness. The trailer there gives you a flavour for it. Um, it has Ted Danson in the role of a lifetime.
1: Absolutely, the fantastic. Ted Danson.
2: dr uh, It's just he's never been better than this. Have you seen it? The Good Place. No. Um, it is so so good. Um, it's a. It's, uh, I don't want to give you any kind of um, anything other than than the the overview from from the the trailer there. Just 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 watch it. It's a funny, warm. Uh, but sharp, biting, and truly, truly original sitcom. So they are 2017's High Point. It's, uh, it's the first series. The second series is showing at the moment in the US and can be available on various streaming services. So there we are. I'm going to call it a hit of the year, but I'm not going to put it in my top li- not top five list, just because I've only got, well, how many have I got left? Two. I've only got two left. Um, right, so um, we have had uh, some tweets. Thank you very much, Midlands Movies, who agree with my um, choice of Free Fire. So I'm pleased that at least somebody agrees with me on this one. So it's a shame it's not to see it on more critics' lists. I mean, I, I, for one, aren't that... You know, don't worry too much about these top ten lists myself. Hilariously, we're doing one ourselves, but...
1: They are conversation points. It,
2: you know, Do not in any way think that your films that you like... Or you know we're dissing them uh, by not choosing them. The chances we are we want to had, hear them,
1: if, whatever they are. We
2: just haven't seen them probably because um, there's oh, so I many prob- great. I might things have seen next.
1: them, but, just forgot. but
2: it doesn't mean that uh, you know that our opinions are <laughs> worth any more than anyone else's. So in that respect, why listen to us? Ah, hang on a minute. i better start uh, making a reason for listening to it. I'm going to start on my number two. Now this. I is haven't
1: done my number three. Yet. Oh, I do
2: apologise. Tim, I was getting carried away. Do apologise. Tell us yeah, your number three.
1: Okay, my number three is Lady Macbeth. Ooh, I haven't seen this. So yeah, I've come down come down in uh, budget. Uh, um, so, oh wow, where do I begin? So, um, I think this this was this year's uh, most standout female performance. Um, delivered by Florence Pugh. Uh, Lady Macbeth is, uh, I think it's the directorial debut of Willie Moldroyd, the film directorial debut um and it's an account basically of uh it's not an adaptation of shakespeare's Macbeth, although there are allegorical analogies oh dear i'm getting all very oh very good uh that that would relate to the lady Macbeth character in one regard but i'll come back to that um it's basically it's set so it's, it's a really strong account of uh a woman's efforts to basically break free from the the trappings of a nineteenth-century arist- sort of semi-aristocratic English house society, um, and the films the film works um, when she embarks. The film starts to unra- the film starts to unravel when she embarks on a on an affair with a young worker on her. On her husband's estate, her husband spends a lots of time away, so she spends her time on her own with very little to do. She's very much for want of a better word, she's enslaved within the house and because of the nature of society, and she finds she finds a force inside us um where in a sort of a lady Macbeth esque kind of fashion for want of a better word, she breaks out of the power and the confines that she has in the most dark and devastatingly cruel ways um and it's that which uh the film really builds the tension it ramps up the atmosphere it has um it it's um it's grim it's it's got it's got noirish elements it's um it has all sorts of really dark things and, you know everything from Parasite to matricide and much more than that and um <laughs> uh and um and I think it 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 can rightly hold its place as one of the films the best films of the year because I think it's um it's kind of um it's 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 ice cold it's so ice cold that, that even everything down to the set design it's stark it's bare it's um it's cold it's set in the moors it, it's really. Not, not the moors. Um, the moors. Sorry, joke from. Uh, yeah, I won't do that anyway. Um, it's 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 too well paced. It's slow. It, it invests your time. I love it. It's great.
2: Well, I haven't seen it. I have to say, I, I think I must have just done. Oh, you know, button-down period drama. Um, not really necessarily my kind of cup of tea, but uh, it certainly sounds sinister. Um, and uh, and surprising
1: and it's all because not it's all because of the nature in which William Aldroy just um allows Florence Pew um as 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 Catherine's the name of the character just to basically it just focuses on her and her and her her very you know slight changes in she doesn't really change her face her mood that everything is in slight shifts in tone and change and when when the shocking things happen they're like shocking you know bang you know that, that someone's died or you know something happens you know and it, it, it reminds me it has a kind of a the darkness reminds me of Hanukkah at times that's a big tribute to pay. I'm sure if yeah, I was like, listening he'd be like oh yeah get this you well, know you know, think I'm not gonna watch you, that you know you know where you know how Hanukkah has this uh, has this way of making you, the audience cinema paying audience feel very uneasy and then mm-hmm. delivers a a, a a blast of shock that You know, we'll just like, oh, Um, this does that as well. Sounds fantastic. Yeah,
2: it's so that's uh, that's Tim's number three, and um, it's a good it's a good time for us, I think, now to talk. You talk about that a really powerful female fronted film. To talk about probably the topic of of the year, Um, and and this is how I'm going to introduce it. This is Opus Three. The Golden Thank you.
0: Thank you. Something as big as what started to happen in October with Harvey Weinstein started to unfold. I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. And with every day's revelation, I thought, here is an opportunity for something powerfully, um, uh, uh, a, a powerful growth. And how do we use this moment? to elevate what is happening instead of uh, continually victimize ourselves. Wearing black in solidarity is one step. I think that what Time's Up is doing with the Legal Defense Fund is a major step. Uh, It was very important to all of us involved with Time's Up that it not just be about the women of Hollywood, because we're already a privileged group, but to extend to the women of the world because, as I said tonight, there isn't a, a, a culture, a race, a religion, a politic, a workplace that hasn't been affected by it.
2: So, yes, there's, um, of course, Oprah Winfrey at the Golden Globes uh, last week talking about, well, to me, the topic of the year, really, which is all started with the Harvey Weinstein um, Revelations, um, and then has been subsequently, you know, exposing the just just the way in which women are. I mean, I don't know whether it is the right word, but um, highlighted perhaps the way in which women have been treated in in Hollywood. Um, and I really struggled with how to address this actually because I, I was talking about it with some friends and saying, you know, I wanted to make wanted to make this quite something we talked about a lot on the show, but I didn't want it to be. You know, I'm not conscious that we're a couple of blokes, and we are. You know, there's, women are saying, "Yeah, this is not a surprise." This, these things have been known about the way in which women have been treated has been appalling. We know that, um, and I also don't want to make it sound like it's a triumph as well. That um, you know, because we have had you know the top three films of the year all female-fronted, for example, one of them female-directed, um, a lot of, of great female. Um, May films are, are coming out, but I'm still not getting the the recognition, perhaps either at the box office or well, maybe at the box office, but not in the, in the critics' choice. It's 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 a time that It feels like a real line has been drawn, and perhaps things will be moving forward as it relates to the treatment of of women in Hollywood. And and from a purely you know um, viewer point of view, hopefully the the way in which they they will be able to make. Films that will be more interesting from a female perspective, um, but it's 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 been um, it's been horrific the things we've heard, hasn't
0: it?
1: Yes, um, I feel. Oh, yeah, it's difficult to know what to say. Mm. Um, I feel that what needs to be said is the voices of the women, actually, and, and the voices of women per se. Mm. I feel that my place in this conversation isn't isn't that relevant. Yes. I think the relevance is hearing their voice, hearing them. Absolutely. And not hearing anything else.
2: Okay, so we'll, we'll we will show um, up about
1: it then. One, 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 two observations. Natalie Portman rightly pointed out there were no female director nominees at the, mm-hmm. uh, the Oscars. i oh, sorry, at the Golden Globes. Um, when Greta Gerwig was overlooked for Lady Bird, I would even say someone like Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman. You know, we have Catherine Bigelow, who's like, you know... You know, did Detroit this year? Mm -hmm. We need to see more female uh, acting nominees is one thing, but we need to see more female directors getting nominated, uh, getting uh, acknowledged. Absolutely, we Um, just want to see
2: these stories. And and we, you know,
1: Mud Band is, of course, is another example of a female directed film. Mm -hmm. It's going to get more traction, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, The other observation: uh, the, the BAFTA nominations on Tuesday morning everyone who was there involved in in the presenting of it every, right down to the direct the chair the chair of BAFTA woman the people who presented it women the new presenter of the BAFTA's Joanna Lumley everyone who was there on the day was a female mm-hmm. and it's a reinforcement of this fact I think mm-hmm. I think that all I'm going to say is that those are just two things I would say other than that I think Women to the fore, and women should have that. Uh, continue to continue to say what they need to say to to get this to get this um, to, to 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 make the rights in the world come right. To make the rights in the world come right. I mean, as in, as um, Oprah
2: Winfrey says, there. Um, the thing is, is if these things. I mean, the, the revelation we had this this week alone with Michelle <coughs> Williams and uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh God! And their and their ridiculous how odd the ridiculous sort of pay disparity for the film. Um, you know, as Oprah says, these are already, you know, the, if this is happening to, to people like, you know, very, very powerful, um, highly regarded Hollywood actors, um, what is happening throughout, you know, the rest the rest of the of the industry and, of course, the rest of the world, um, doesn't both think about it. And, again, we're obviously these, these idiotic men that perhaps, you know, haven't paid enough attention to this in the past, and this is not a surprise to so me. I don't want to call it a revelation, but perhaps... Hopefully, we will see some good come out of this, and we will start to see more female stories told, which I'm all for um, because you know I'm, I'm sick of seeing the same things over and over again about middle-aged men having a crisis. I'd like to see you know all the other stories out there we haven't told. So um, that is what I wanted to acknowledge um, that has happened this year, um, and there we are. So I'm going to Hear, um, here. I'm going to play some something to to. Uh, to, to make us all hopefully feel chirpy and cheerful this is from the Paddington 2 soundtrack now it's Love Thy Neighbour by Tobago and Delime. there we are Love Thy Neighbour it's a lesson we should all have from uh, Paddington 2 soundtrack uh, speaking of uh, number 2 it's time to I'm really struggling. I've got a list here of about 10 and I still haven't decided what my top 2 are uh, but uh, in light of the conversation we just had I'm going to pick for number 2 uh, a film written and directed by a woman Menon Aid, uh, A German film Tony Erdmann. Hey, good call. Um now I think it's might have sort of especially sort of split audiences slightly. Um it is a a story about uh, a woman who is it's a German film about a woman who is a successful business person um and she has a not entirely a strange but she has a, a strained relationship with her with her father who is a slightly a sort of um, what you might call a prankster um and he attempts to uh to kind of create a bond with her by creating a sort of alter ego uh, This tony in character a sort of um a sort of, sort of, sort of slightly grotesque self-help guru with sort of ridiculous teeth and hair uh, and, and and sort of enters into her life and she's and she is kind of both repelled but also uh desperate for, for his warmth and, and and what we end up with is an an odd uh, I don't know whether you'd call it a comedy whether you'd call it a drama it's it's a very sad story about uh, about people desperate to connect with each other but there's there's humor in it but the jokes are not played uh, as jokes it's quite an, uh, the way in which the characters sort of interact with each other is entirely um it feels like it feels like funny scenes played tragically and tragic scenes played funnily. Um, the, the central performances for the two the two main characters absolutely fantastic. This balance of humour and sadness, and it has possibly the greatest singing scene I've seen in many years. There's a scene in which they together sing the Whitney Houston song, um, and he's playing the piano and she's singing. Um, which which is just music and is reveals so much about character. It is funny, moving, but but painfully tragic at the same time, um, and just a great all round, really surprising film for me. Something which which goes off in
1: directions I didn't expect. I
2: think it's going to be. I think there's talk about it being remade with Jack Nicholson.
1: Don't remake it, please. Um, I don't please understand. Don't, why, don't remake
2: it. I don't understand why.
1: It's a very. It, and, and not with Jack Nicholson. He's no. done. It's a shtick that we know Jack Nicholson would yeah. do, and he's done it before. Yeah, it, it,
2: it, it, it. It, it. I mean, the thing about it is, again, you know, it being uh, a, a German <laughs> thing, a, a German comedy. The thing we know about comedy is it's one of the most difficult things to do in in, in other languages, and, and it doesn't transfer very well. Uh, and and that kind of helps in the case of this film because it's there is a sort of, you know, the, the film is about disconnection people desperately trying to connect try, uh, distance between people and people not entirely able to kind of touch and not quite sure how to and and and, the, and perhaps it's Germanness ness um, from my point of view anyway kind of helps with that the language thing actually sort of helping create that sort of sense of distance but there we are Tony Erdman um, is Blake's number two uh, written and directed by Manon Aid um, a oh, great film you've seen it then Tim? It's
1: a very good choice yeah hmm. um when the, the the laughs are very toe curling at times. Oh yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, it's almost um, like the,
2: the, the jokes are painful, and the pain. But it's is fine. there's a
1: it's that it rides that fine lines between sweetness and embarrassment, actually touching sweetness at the same time. Mm. It's that you, you? You once you get the the tenor of the film. You begin to understand the the tragic nature of it. Um, there is a there is a kind of a darkness to it. Um, not darkness the wrong the wrong way, but it's, it's not a. I don't think it's it's a comedy in the strictest sense of the word, right? No, but it's then there's, funny. there's there's a.
2: But that's born surprise. There is a a, a sort of dinner party at the end when when she invites her, her colleagues to her house, which is which is simultaneously screamingly funny and and like put your fist in your mouth painful at the same time um and and yes yeah, it's, it's it's a really um a really inventive film i thought and and the the poster as well you look at it you think, i don't really understand you look at the picture on that poster it only makes sense near the end when it's revealed but um you know it's it's just you know it, it, it should be it should be a complete mess that film the
1: film has had a lot of legs probably off the back of the, of people like you know Mark Kermode really giving it Lords as well right so oh, right. It's, it's had a lot of um, second post cinema it's had a lot of sec- it's had a second sale as it were and I think it needs to be seen It's um, it's really really good
2: I think it may have been it may have been originally released in 2016. Apologies yes. if I'm cheating.
1: Um, no, that. but it, it only came out... It did come out in 2017, so you're absolutely within your rights um, to put um, it in your Okay, it's It feels like a long, long time ago now.
2: And it, it did get cinema releases here, and it was, but it, it's, um, it's something that we would, um, we would strongly...
1: It wouldn't surprise me if it's streamable on Netflix, though. So. Um, Go find it.
2: Yes, certainly look up those things. And Netflix, although it just sounds like I'm always constantly um, advertising those, I do like the, a lot of the, the original stuff they do. I mean, the, one of the things I, I did have on my top ten list for Netflix, uh, sorry for this year, is the American Vandal TV series, which is which is an original they have on there, uh, which is extremely funny um, spoof on the on themselves. You know, it's a spoof on the the true crime drama-type things, the sort of um, making a murderer serial-type stuff that, that they have on. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it makes it into a very funny kind of high school uh, joke as well. So if you are uh, looking for a funny TV series, American Vandal is what I'm looking for. And if you're looking for a heartbreaking but uh, affecting, affecting comedy um, of uh, father-and-daughter relationships... I'd recommend Tony Erdman. Um, there we have it. Um, it lots of um, similar um, close run things from my number one and number two position. Um, and another one that I nearly played that perhaps is equal. It is, is if we're talking about heartrending, uh, this is, is perhaps the most heartrending film of the year. I'm going to play some music. What we're playing here is Leslie Barber's soundtrack to Manchester by the Sea, Manchester by the Sea, hurrah, and um, I'm mentioning that now, not not necessarily on top five, but it is um, one of the most emotionally wrenching films I've seen this year. Um, A friend of mine who's a big uh, film fan, I remember I bumped into him in a supermarket and he he just said very honestly, he said to me, have you seen Manchester by the Sea? It's the best film. It's the best of the year. He goes, no, it's the best film I've ever seen. Um, Where <laughs> it? Which I wouldn't necessarily say, but um, you know, again, unlike what we said about um, the issues um, of of the uh, well, I will move on. But saying the 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 central performance um,
1: Casey Affleck of Casey Affleck yeah. is 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 is
2: it's just, genius, it's, man. It's it's one of the great screen performances. You know, it's just pain pouring out of every pore of this man and 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 his you know it's about a man uh it's a it's a man returning to uh his hometown um because of the death of his brother um and um we discover you know things that have happened in his past in this town um and uh, as a character study um, it's just breathtaking michelle williams is, is excellent as well um as, as you've heard their the music's beautiful and the haunting and the visuals um, but uh, as a, as, a, as a as a as a piece of screen acting, just just fantastic, in
1: my opinion. I agree. It's so measured. Yep. It pours, actually. You know, and again, it it has that um, that quality of that when you get a quality of acting where you're focusing on actually quite minimal. It's not. He's not. He's not outwardly. Uh, yeah. You know. it's not. He's not like shouting. He yeah. does it once or twice. Mm-hmm. It comes out, but it it's so controlled. Yeah. The, the inward, the inward turmoil that's going on—it yeah, it, it, it pours out of oh. the screen, and the way that it's shot, and the, the way that you know, actually where it is—you know, the, the, in sort of the sort of Ma- Massachusetts, New England, sorry, that part of America, and mm. the beauty of it, the beauty of the the, the sea, and yeah. the actual, the way that the the nature and the, the characters all come together, and all of that, it, everything—it's the it's, 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 it's evocation of what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very powerful. A painful,
2: a painful watch, but one yeah. that you will no, never forget.
1: With moments of humor as well. Mm. There are moments of real humor in it. It has to be. Um, it, has it has to be. Has to be because otherwise, otherwise be just, the levity isn't. Um, yeah,
2: it would be. It would be unbearable. But a yeah. beautiful, a, a, a powerful, uh, a powerful film um, yeah. about you know, uh, regret and, uh, and and family and love and all of those things and. Um, and certainly been on lots of people's lists, mm. I think. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, and uh, right. So
1: I actually thought of that film because so I've recently lost a friend, and uh, you know, it made me think about loss. Uh, I actually thought of that film when I, I thought about loss and mm. uh, how it deals with it, and how mm. it, how, you know, how it's, you know, you coming. It's the coming to terms elements of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, does it very very. Seven so
2: well. hundred slightly. Uh, misty eyed here in the <laughs> studio so we should move on before we yeah. start bursting into tears because um that was that was just an aside really of a review of some of the great stuff in the yeah but we still have a couple more to go to so Tim Yeah I've got i I've
1: got a massive list of uh, things I haven't put into my list and um but anyway number two uh is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Um I I absolutely adore this film. Um it, <laughs> it's Oh wow! What is what is Get Out? Is it a horror film? Is it a satire? Is it a um, is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? Is it a social documentary on how racist American society really is? Is it bringing home all those home truths about things of American society? Is it a film about now? Is it is there is there a more current film about uh, the state of play in America than this one? I think the answer is yes to all of the above. Um, I haven't seen this I can't remember uh, maybe because
2: I I I I took it as a horror film and and it's I thought it was going to be scary frankly and I was a bit too worried about watching it
1: it's it has scares and it and um, it it has some it has actually um, I think if you were a social studies or a film studies student right now of all the films in 2017 that are going to get the most discussed, I mean we've talked about the most what would be the most discussed films of 2017 this one is going to be the most discussed film because of the concept of The Sunken Place So just um, for, for
2: people who who haven't been aware of it spoiler free, can you give us a sort of overview of what the film is? Yes,
1: okay um, so, uh, the so Jordan f- Peele it's his, it's his directorial debut isn't it and he's Known as a, as a as a comedian. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, he he. It's a story of a, a character called Chris and his girlfriend Rose, and they go to meet the parents. Um, played uh with with uh with brilliance by Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford. And um, uh, she invites basically Rose invites invites Chris for a weekend get uh, upstate getaway. right? and um. And their parents are um, seemingly overly accommodating, right? And they're slightly. Their behavior is slightly nervous um, because the daughter is in an interracial interracial relationship. Um, but actually, what happens is it starts to unravel of what's going on, and through Chris, you start to unlock what's going on in this town and the mysteries and the kind of strange characters that are within. And um, it plays a little bit. It's a little bit Wickermanish at times. I would say it's it's darkly comic, but it's also highly disturbing. Um, Catherine Keener's character, the, the mum, is a she's a she's a uh, psychotherapist, psychologist, and she sends Chris to this uh, sends Chris to this place called the Sunken Place. I will not say any more than that. Other than that, I think it's one of the darkest things I have. Seen this year in the cinema, and it's left me in conversations about what what the Dutch sunken place means in a societal way as well. And then, um, and then Bradley Whitford's character, the dad, is a brain surgeon um, or you know, surgeon. So, and it, it just unravels, and this entire neighborhood, this entire community, this entire um, upstate community, and the sort of the uh, is is in on this whole really. Um, Subplot, racist agenda. Um, uh, I won't say much more than it's, it's, that. It sounds like it's
2: difficult to, to it's, talk about, uh, but, yeah,
1: but you... it's hysterically funny. Yeah, it's laugh out loud hysterically funny. It's dark. It's 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 full of mystery. It's full of suspense, and it is a horror film at times. It is you know I, clearly the film is a horror film first, but it's not in the. It's certainly the most untraditional has some of those untraditional elements within it. Um
2: it's certainly got a lot of a lot of people talking, hasn't it this year. It's been a real it's a real hit and also, you know, a real yeah, people have been talking about the, the issues it throws up as you say, seem very timely.
1: Yeah, and I think um it's for me it's a sat- it's it's as much of anything else it's a satire on all sorts of uh, um current agendas within American society and I think Jordan Peele God, God bless his soul. We need to give Jordan Peel every every credit in the world and give him give him the biggest whatever he needs to do his next film because this guy is he's he's on fire. And Daniel Kaluuya,
2: the main role, he's a British actor as well, isn't he? But you know, he's he's been in a few things. Earlier. Yeah, and
1: and I'm so glad he got. He's been getting uh, award plaudits because he's he's so good. Yeah, everyone's really good. Everyone's on the top of their game in this film. brilliant.
2: And um, also on top of the game is a composer, actually, Michael Abel. So I'm going to play some music from it. This is uh, Rod's Bing Search.
0: <laughs> All right. Is everyone
2: okay? <laughs> I think that's given us, right. a, given us quite a clear idea <laughs> of what we can expect from that film. So that that is Rod's Bing Search from uh, the film Get Out, Tim's number two. Of 2017. Thank you for your contributions, your tweets. We've had some, uh, some agreements. I'm pleased to hear that. Brendan O'Neill, hello Brendan, has tweeted in that the villainess was, and I quote, a belter. A so belter, good on agree- you. I agree on that. And uh, I'm agreeing with you, Tim. Uh, Dr. Dave Hart has tweeted in about uh, Lady Macbeth. He said it's it stuck in the mind quite a bit since he saw it, and he thought it was, might be the best film he saw last June. Uh, Certainly up there with ours. I'm not mixing it myself, but I'm going to go away. Now we're in a difficult position now because we've run out of um, numbers. I've only got one left to say, so we are uh, number one in our top five. And I've still got quite a few films I want to talk about. I'm struggling between two. I'm I'm going to... Well, I'm going to talk about uh, a couple of films that haven't made my cut. um, Because... Well, one of them is I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, um, which is a, um, a, f- a, a, a a film by Macon Blair, I'm not sure it's Macon Blair or Macon Blair, who had originally written uh, Blue Ruin and uh, Green Room, which, um, again, uh, are very brutal, um, pretty brutal films. Um, and, and this was his directorial debut, um, has Elijah Wood in it um, and it is a a film about um, it's, it's a kind of comic caper around um, uh, sort of uh, a, a mismatched couple uh, which goes in, in quite um, quite scary places as well but a very uh, accomplished debut which again flew quite low under the radar. One thing I will say about Elijah Wood is that he picked some really interesting Projects to work on. It He's suggests. also in the um, Dirk Gently um, adaptation, which is a, a sort of very loose adaptation of the Douglas Adams novels. which was actually a BBC series over here, which was mm-hmm. which was very good. But the version that is in um, in the American version is is pretty much unrecognisable. But a bonkers. Um, visually arresting and interesting and unpredictable T V series as well. So um that's another one I would suggest uh, you look at from the year. The other one that is also that also kind of nearly got my um my vote but, but went a bit pear shaped at the end is is the film The Ghoul. I don't know if you've seen this one. This is a British sort of very low budget um film about a a police officer who is investigating a psychotherapist, so he goes undercover as patient uh, and as time goes on it starts to become um, a little bit less clear where the the policeman's role ends and the, the, the patient's role begins and, and he, he starts to become slightly um, confused himself as to which of these two roles he's in and what's real and what isn't um, and then it, it sort of goes off into, into some increasingly sort of paranoid and slightly psychedelic Um, directions. It wasn't entirely successful for my taste, but a really good um, stab at a film like that um, very sort of grimy and urban British film um, with with very little budget and trying to do something interesting. So that is another of my honourable mentions for 2017, which I think may have flown under quite a lot of people's radar. The Ghoul. Which is not as as Blood curdling as it sounds.
1: The Ghoul. I love how you said that. Sorry. Yeah,
2: and if you if you're trying to find out about it, um, there is an enormous amount of films called The Ghoul. Um, this one was directed by uh, Gareth Tunley. Again, it's it's a it's a debut. Mixed bag. I wouldn't say it's it's great, but it does have some really good ideas in it. Um, and it but it will make you feel slightly nauseous. It has that kind of uh, sort of seasick queasiness about it. Uh, lots of scenes of him kind of. You know, wandering around the streets to like, discordant uh, soundtrack. So, um, yeah, don't eat it. Don't um, watch it if you've, if you've got a dicky tummy would be my advice. Uh, I'm not quite sure what I would recommend if you did. Anyway, number one, number one. Ooh. Right, I am going to go with um, two films together, which I think work as a pair. And I'm going to choose those as my number, my number one. And they are, um, in many ways, two very different films: "Personal Shopper" Kirsten Stewart) and also um, "Adult Life Skills" with Jodie Whittaker. Now, these are Jodie. I think "Adult Life Skills" I think came out in 2016, but um, with a very low um, uh, release, and uh, was on in here in Birmingham in 2017. Had a Festival. So um, that's how we're letting it through. So what are these two films? Adult Life Skills is a British film where, again, as I say, it's um, Jodie Whittaker, who is the new Doctor Who, uh, written and directed by a debut female director, Rachel Tunard. And it is um, a story of, Jodie Whittaker's character is a a woman who has an identical twin, or a twin, rather, a male twin who has died. Um, and she is dealing with with grief in her own way um and it is a it is a, a very tender film it's it's a very sad film, but it's also very very funny about her coming to deals Alice Lowe is also fantastic in this film there's a lot of uh, and it's about she lives with her mother and her grandmother and she's three women in the house it, it's it's almost all of the characters in here are female loads of great stuff about friendship about family about loss uh, and the way in which she comes to terms with it personal shopper um kristen stewart's film uh directed by olivier assias who she collaborated with on Clouds of sills maria um who's a french director is a film in which she plays a young woman who's um Twin, male twin brother has died, and she's coming to terms with that. So there's a lot of of, of uh, plot similarities between them, and then they just deal with this in completely different ways. Whereas Adult Life Skills is a a, a tragedy comedy. Uh, Personal Shopper is a film that I cannot put into any category. Similar to the way I heard you describe um, Get Out, there, Tim. What is this film? Is it a thriller? Is it a ghost story? Is it a film about Paris, about a city? Is it a study of a character? Is it about loss? Is it about dislocation? It's un- uncategorizable. It's, it is all of those things. You know, it's a ghost story. It is um, a, a sort of paranoid thriller. Um, but then it's 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 also about loss and about loneliness. A real great sense of loneliness in this film. A great sense of, 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 of the thing that only a big city can do, which is making people feel alone so much hustle and bustle going on around Kirsten Stewart's character in this, but she's just not able to connect with the world. So I'm giving it, I'm I'm sneaking in two for one there by saying it's a kind of um, bereavement double bill, um, if you will, of adult life skills, uh, Rachel Tenards, uh, Jodie Whittaker starring British low-budget wonderful comedy and personal shopper, uh, a much uh, sort of colder, more stylised, uh, stylized supernatural thriller come character study personal shopper. There we go. Have you seen either of those, Tim?
1: No, but I really want to see I I really want to see both, but I, I, I'm really upset I didn't get to see personal shopper because um, everyone's raving about Christian Stewart in the film. She's, uh, she's ace. She is uh, really good. She, gets, she, she is better in everything she's in. Right? She does. She um,
2: does. Uh, I haven't seen the other... The, the flip of this is is Robert Pattinson, who she was with in the Vampire Films, who's also gone on to make interesting films. He's had a film out last year called Good Time, yeah, which again is supposed to be an absolutely fantastic piece of work. Um, They're
1: both fabulous actors, both of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, and um it's interesting that she's been uh, seemingly overlooked for a lot of the award ceremonies mm. I guess because I guess that the nature of it she is it probably she makes it look so easy um, yeah i mean in this um, one it's
2: one of the it is it's one of those roles similar to to Casey Affleck in 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 the Sea where she is she's not doesn 't appear like she's doing very much because she's she's a, shes she's a woman who's filled with grief and filled with with loneliness. Going through a busy world, she she she's the personal shopper for a celebrity, and so she's going around all these high-end boutiques, getting these clothes and bringing them back for this woman, um, and and appearing to be you know abutting up to glamour, whilst entirely lonely and 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 sort of separate from it as well. Fantastic, brilliant performance from her. Really, really moving stuff, yeah. and scary as well. I mean, it is, it, there is a supernatural components
1: to this, Yeah. which are pretty, pretty creepy. I, I really want to see it, and I'm, I'm, I was upset that I didn't.
2: Um, there's still time for all of these films. You just go and see. There's still Find time. It. So there we go. I have um, overlooked some amazing films, and there's one more that I do want to talk about, but I, I'm wondering whether or not it may be on Tim's list. So. Tim, are you ready to reveal mm. your number one hit?
1: This is, this is really difficult for me because I know number one my number one film should be Moonlight, right? I assumed it was. That's why I didn't say yeah, it And I'll carry it, on. And, it, and it is because, but I, I, I have a TV series as well I want mm. to mention. I think you'll know which one I it is. I think I know what it is. Um I my number one film is Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And um is one of those really difficult ones, you know, because we we're Screen Brum, we you know we we're, we're, we're not exclu- r- exclusively about film. Um but there's, I don't know what needs to be said about Moonlight that hasn't already been said. Maybe that um, is a reason that we should because it is. Yeah, I, this know, is why thing. I mean I put it number one, and I'm grudgingly like, oh, you know, and it probably you you know, it's 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 just a, it's, it's 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 more than anything else. It's a triumph about love. It's a triumph about love, and it's a, it's a triumph for any any a portrayal of an outsider finding himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think in the last five years I have seen a film that. Well I do many films that do it better than that one. I agree entirely. Uh, I think we both went to see it at the same time we and did, I, yeah. I was I was emotionally um drained in yeah. in, in the most positive and happy of ways. Just every time I think of that film, I think of him going into that restaurant and and having that meal cooked for him mm-hmm. and is sitting there. And I, I feel I feel euphoric. Just in that scene of those two together. I feel absolute Pain and tragedy with the scenes with Naomi Harris in that uh, you know when they're outside talking. And I, my my thing is just having that meal cooked for him. I feel absolute joy thinking about that. I uh, feel absolute joy, you know, in that evocation of love. We're not oh, going well, let's wow. not
2: talk about it too much more because one of the things that we we both were lucky enough to do because we, we were lucky enough to see uh, advance screening of this is I went in and about you I did not know nothing about this film at all. I had no. A knowledge of it and i went in and i was bowled over by its its beauty its tenderness um its performances across the board um and and it's and it's you know it's painful optimistic message so let's leave it to people to go if they haven't seen it yet simply do
1: this That's film it. is film if if, if 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 there was a metaphor for this film it's a it's it's the equivalent of having a hug a blanket around you <laughs> yeah but in, 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 you have to go in, through it, something to but, get that uh, but it does it, it but it, you earn that blanket yeah. and you earn that hug through watching it yeah, yeah it's, okay it's, that's the way I look at it yeah it, 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 it's a film that I, I
2: felt somehow felt that it could encompass truths about all of human life
1: you know it really felt profound
2: to me but we are we're moving on to we only have nine minutes of the show left although Tim you have one more thing to add
1: so um uh, I do have a lot of um, we'll come back to the films that I haven't mentioned um, the honourable mentions but my screen event of 2017 was the return of Twin Peaks mm,
0: I thought uh, you would say that
1: and um, you know I, I I've again it, it goes back to those things we talked about earlier about things in your early in your upbringing and and uh, you know, I watched Twin Peaks aged 12, 13. You know, it was a revelation to me. and I watched That explains my, a lot. And I watched it, yeah, weird. Um, and, you know, my, my love affair for all things Lynch kind of start, stemmed from Twin Peaks, really. Um, so uh, this this is the most challenging piece of TV that you would ever want get to watch. Um, so little actually happens in the course of 18 episodes, and yet so much happens at the same time you will you will find yourself scratching your head, being probably at times incredibly frustrated you'll find yourself laughing uncontrollably at things that aren't funny that are funny uh, everything about this is world which with the world in which David Lynch creates again in this is', is just it's about ultimately eighteen hours for payoff, watching eighteen hours of t v for payoff and there's one episode. In in episode eight, the infamous in episode eight, which I won't talk too much about, where he goes into full-on Crazy Land, uh, to originate some char- some crazy characters called the Woodmen. Um, but I won't say anything else. It's a triumph. It's a triumph of, um and the biggest triumph in that is Carl McLaughlin playing playing off two playing off um good and bad, playing three versions of Agent Cooper, three versions of the character, and um that guy, she. I, I don't know why he's not getting awards for it. It's 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 a triumph.
2: People have people have been talking about it as a film. I don't know what that means. But... I
1: think yeah, a few people have said it's the film of the year, haven't they? I yeah. think a few magazines have or something. And um, it, you know, I had to separate it from that. Um, it's my screen event of 2017. There you go. Does
2: one need to have been steeped in the original to to enjoy it? Uh, I I I, sh- I <laughs> haven't seen it and I stayed away from it because I thought. Oh, do I have to go back and watch all the old ones, which I did see at the time, but I forgot about.
1: But it sounds you like you would understand it
2: anyway.
1: <laughs> if you don't understand what the black, what the lodge, black lodge is, and you you, you don't understand the, the talking back, the film, the the, the the it, sorry, the series, I think it does imply that you have some kind of understanding of what's happened before, because mm. you got to understand what's happened, what 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 who Laura Palmer, Palmer is, who Agent Cooper, you got to understand who the characters are. Because a lot of the characters, retu- a lot of the characters from Twin Peaks return, yeah. and they're all as bonkers and as crazy as before. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think you need to have seen it the first two seasons to really get the most out of. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be what? What the hell is going on? It sounds
2: from.
0: from what
1: but to be hearing. honest, it's quite comfortable because even if you've seen the first two seasons, you're going to be asking what the hell is going on well, a lot.
2: I read somewhere, didn't it? it was David Bowie' character get sort of recast as a. Kettle
1: or something like that or sort of I'm not going to comment But nice. yes He does come back um, um, And I, I will say this as well every, The whole time Even when I was thinking What the hell is going on I had a smile on my face Because Always with David Lynch As I always say He's got the last He's having the last laugh And he's constantly Playing with you yeah. And you can tell He's having You can tell how much fun He is having Messing with you And, and it, that's always a joy For me
2: is it, is it done and dusted When we see another one Do you think
1: it's not never done. And, no, it's not done and dusted. In fact, it will leave you going, no, I, I, I and it will leave you going, what? Oh, that's it. Okay, well, that could be my review. Uh, well, what? <laughs> oh, in in the best possible way. Screen Event Twenty Seventeen. There you go. Yeah, screen Event
2: Twenty Seventeen. Thank you very much for listening. We're coming to the end of the show. We might be able to squeeze in a few more honourable mentions. Uh, some TV that I've really enjoyed this year. Uh, Mindhunter, uh, Blue Planet 2, and Line of Duty have all been fantastic. We had the return of uh, Inside Number 9, which I'm very
1: pleased to see. Well, it was a season in 2017 and a season in... 20- they've been very prolific we are looking at Inside it, Number 9. And so. the League of Gentlemen. And the as League as well. of Gentlemen, of course.
2: Um, and, of course, all of the other stuff. Um, Moonlight, as I say, we can't... Um, we can't emphasize the fact that it's not in a top five does not mean these, any of these films are, are bad um, um, or we don't like them it's just really
1: honourable mentions for me um, Logan uh, film stars don't die in Liverpool Wonder Woman uh, for the first two thirds before it goes off the hook um, just because I think that there's, there's a female role model there that any any kid could get behind I think she's great Gal Gadot. I think she owns that. It's the only DC comic fil- film adaptation I since the Batman's uh since the Nolan Batman's Thor Ragnarok was very very camp. I'm just going to doing the the disaster artist was was very very good, very funny. Paddington 2 you've mentioned. Uh War for the Planet of the Apes. Best I think it's one of the best trilogies mainstream action uh, mainstream trilogies we've had in the last 5 6 years. Planet of the Apes trilogy, brilliant. Death of Stalin, you didn't see. I haven't seen it. I hear. Ace. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to
2: seeing uh, um,
1: it. TV series. Um, I, I on pure geeky level, I've really loved seeing um, Star Trek Discovery and the world that that's created versus the Orville, which is Seth MacFarlane's love affair to um, uh, Star Trek Next Generation. It's been getting a lot of slack, a lot of criticism. I think I find it quite sweet what it's trying to do, and I like it a lot more than. Uh, you know, if you get Seth MacFarlane's dry sense of humor, you'll get it. I yeah. think, um, and Star Trek Discovery, which is very, very well, very, very good, good universe, and very much very much darker. Um, it's very non Star Trek. Not very non Star Trekky as well, yeah. and the, and, the re-cre- and what how they've reinvented the Klingon the Klingons and what they are now as well. Really cool. Um, uh, I, I missed Call Me By Me Your Name, I missed The Florida Project, I missed Love Witch, I missed The Handmaiden, all fil- and I missed Personal Shopper, all films I want to see. There's admissions for you on that.
2: There you are. There's plenty to be getting along with. Um, we hope you have enjoyed uh, listening to our review of 2017. We shall emphasise, this is just our, our personal opinion that do not reflect the opinion of Brum Radio as a whole. And of course, it's only a pair of us, and we're just a pair of Pair of blokes. We don't uh, have we thought, any special knowledge. Just having a conversation. Absolutely, but we have enjoyed them, and um, we hope that it may point some directions to you. So, we're going to say we hope that 2018 is a fantastic year, both filmically and in all other ways for you. We'll be back soon to talk about something else, uh, and I'm going to leave you finally now with a track from Twin Peaks: The Return, and it's uh, Angela Badliamenti and the track is Dark Space Low. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
0: Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it,
2: please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.